Hey folks, it's Lauren for Little Miss Neurodivergence recording this from Singapore. I'm really excited to share that we had rain today, which was a little reprieve from the heat. So that was great. I've always loved the rain since I was a kid and I I think it could be because of my sensitivity to temperature and so like when it's cooling it just feels a lot better to me. Um but it, I feel like it's also when I can get into a bit of a mood when I'm a bit more introspective, which is how I got onto this little train of thought, which is what I want to talk about. And it is, I guess, me just trying to make sense of how my ADHD and autism, which are pretty obvious and pretty severe got missed by my family for so long and honestly you know i don't know if this is going to be useful to anyone listening i just kind of needed the space to talk about it and try to make sense of things so yeah, um, I was I was the only child for about five years, and well, almost six years actually. Um, my parents had wanted just one kid, but eventually they decided that you know, like, okay, let's have another child because. I didn't go to nursery school. I think we couldn't afford it or they didn't think it was a necessary expense. So my parents looked after me at home and maybe they just didn't have the energy or time to entertain me because I could be quite a handful. I know that. And so they were like, okay, you know, let's have another kid. I think she's just lonely. So yeah. And, you know, before my sister was born, I really enjoyed like just my dad was really affectionate and with me and it was like him and me being best friends against my mom you know we had this dynamic and it was really I have really good memories from my childhood you know I, I do even though my dad could be pretty abusive in a number of ways I do have good memories from when I was growing up around him but when my sister was born the the attention kind of shifted overnight according to my mom who casually shared this one time to co-workers which is how I found out because my mom and I worked together for a period of time and then she shared that yeah you know like my dad was like saying that, oh, you know, she's already had all of the focus on her. So now it's her sister's turn. And that basically just kind of continued for the rest of our lives. And so like there was this switch. And then also my dad kept would keep saying to me, like, you know, you're the older sister. You have to set a good example. Your sister is going to look to you. So there was this 
like pressure on me which i think for me i took really literally as that's like my autistic brain i'm really literal i can be really literal um so that's not to say i was a perfect older sister i mean you know i was a kid and so we had all these little like arguments as you do which i personally look back on like fondly but for my sister i know she looks back on it with some resentment like you know when i would like tease her growing up and like um just little kid things you know what i mean if you have a sibling um yeah but she still blames me for it to this day but um yeah ultimately like as i got older and my challenges with school started to come out you know like with my undiagnosed dyscalculia as well so i struggled with math and my grades started to slip so i went from being like top i went from like topping my class to just kind of like slowly like my grades started to slip and like with changing schools like it was just a lot of chaos in my life that I couldn't adapt to very well. And it was also the period of time when my sister went to school and she started to do well and her good work was sustained, like her performance in school was sustained. And so like, it kind of compounded that like transference of attention and affection onto my sister. And on top of that, because, you know, like, I'm the older one, I was expected to take on, like, household chores. It started from when I was 8 or 9 or 10. I can't remember. Like, you know, I, I was expected to, like, sweep the floor and, like, do dishes. Eventually, it was, like, I had to do the laundry and then I would have to, like, iron clothes. Uh, at some points, like, I was expected to, like, make like simple food, like simple meals for my sister, stuff like that. I think the term for it is like parentified child, um, which a friend recently told me when I was sharing this really casually was like, you know, that's child abuse, right? But I mean, you know, I, I feel like maybe it was a different time. And so like, maybe that was the norm, but also maybe, maybe it's a cultural thing um, where like, the older sibling is expected to just kind of not just look after your sibling but i remember like later on i had like family members who would come up to me and say you know you have to look after your mom you know like look after your mom when i was like in my teens so like i don't know if it's like cultural or if it's like what it is exactly but um i think that's kind of where i learned to mask you know, like whatever needs I had, it just kind of had to be pushed aside. Whatever difficulties I had, it just kind of had to be pushed aside. And again, you know, I'm just human and I'll do my best because I feel like that's expected of me and I'm a people pleaser. I know that. But of course, there were moments where it would get too much, especially, you know, like in my adolescent years when puberty kicks in. So like that was when I started to have these like episodes of burnout, although we didn't know it at the time, I started to have like meltdowns, like these explosive meltdowns, like just like general reactivity and which 
was not okay, especially because, you know, like for the reasons I said, I'm the older sibling, I have these expectations on me, but also because I think as a girl, like you're not allowed to be so expressive with your feelings. So there's some like layer of like gender expectations there as well. And like, as my sister continued to do well in school, it really pleased my parents because she was the one who was fulfilling the expectations they had on both of us, which was since we were kids, uh, my parents expected us to like, you know, like after we would finish our primary school, we would, we were expected to go to my mom's like alma mater in secondary school, which I didn't, my sister did. And like, from there, we were expected to do our A-levels and then go to university and then get a job. Like, there was no negotiating about it. Like, it was decided. I don't, I didn't have a say in any of that. But because I couldn't get into my mom's school, it was a pretty good school. I feel like from that moment, that was when it was the most obvious kind of like switch where like, my parents just kind of washed their hands off me and I was just kind of left to myself. So there, there was this whole complexity of like adolescence, new school, not meeting expectations and like still expected to like set a good example still of my behavior. And I say behavior because I was often punished for when my sister would like, um, if she made a mistake, she did something bad, my dad would punish me because he would say like, you know, I was the older one and so like it was my fault. And then if, even if it was something that both of us, you know, like got into trouble for, I would get the brunt of the punishment because my dad would say like, you know, you should have known better so there was this dynamic, and for those of you who are familiar with, I guess, is it psychology where there is this term, there is the golden child where like the parents' expectations and hopes and dreams are like pinned on, and like basically they can kind of get away with anything. Whereas the opposite of that is the scapegoat child. So anything that goes wrong in the family, especially within a dysfunctional family, it gets pinned on that scapegoat child and so like it's not to say that my my sister i think through the years like she's also had like her episodes of like being emotional or like reacting a certain way but like that has never been a problem with my parents i feel like like they kind of close one eye with that but like with me it was not okay for various reasons and I think because like they had already kind of switched off with me and kind of written me off. That was why like all of these struggles that I continued to have were just kind of, I think, put down to me being like not trying hard enough or being like, I don't know, like messing up or I don't know what they thought, honestly. I couldn't begin to fathom what they were thinking, but it, it was just kind of put down to a character flaw 
and like just me failing as a person and so like through all this you know i feel like there has been a lot of putting aside my needs and my feelings um and even though i would have those like little reactions and they were probably appropriate to the situation because you know it was a crappy thing that was happening it was still frowned on and it wasn't allowed and that was like not okay and so like i think that is why until today you know like even though my dad has passed away within my when it's just me my mom and my sister like there is a lot of focus i realize on the way i react to things rather than what caused them so for example like one of the one of the most recent things that happened was i mean i say recent but honestly it was maybe oh i'm trying to think i want to say 2018 when i took a vacation with my mom and my sister and like we were having breakfast at the hotel and I, I can't remember what it was about but basically something i said set my sister off i think okay we were talking about an ant and my sister was saying something and i was like oh yeah i know like i i see this ant more than you and to me like that was just stating a fact you know like it was just like yeah i do see her more than you that was it but she took offense to it she stood up and walked off from the breakfast table and like in the context of not knowing my diagnoses like you know there was this like big sense of rejection which is like that rejection sensitivity dysphoria and so i remember just kind of having this like shut down emotionally and like we were supposed to go back to the room like and prepare for like to go visit i think my aunt who we were talking about at breakfast but I was like, okay, you know what, guys, I don't want to go. I just feel like I, I can't go. And I didn't know what was happening, but I could just feel like this. Yeah, like it just felt like my, my brain was like shutting down and I couldn't get out of it. And so when they had left to visit my aunt, I packed up my stuff, like my luggage, and I bought a bus ticket and I came back home. And... Yes, I will say that my reaction was huge. I think because, like I said, we didn't know what it was. We didn't know, like, it was the rejection, sensitivity, dysphoria. And, like, it was built up on years of just kind of, like, my sister being able to, you know, like, do whatever she wanted and me kind of having to bear the brunt of it. So there was that baggage as well. But, like a lot of the focus was on the fact that I was so upset and that I I left. And we never ever talked about how like, you know, like the fact that my sister just kind of got up in the middle of breakfast and just like, was like, I'm done and just walking out. And that's been, that's just generally been my experience in my family. Um, my mom is the same way as well, even though my dad has passed. Okay, so just to rewind a little bit, when I was 18 or 19, my parents split up. Uh, 
my mom had finally, I guess, like had enough of his abuse and she left. And I think for her, it was just kind of finally like being free. And so she went out a lot. Like, I remember like being the one at home and just kind of keeping an eye on my sister at times, you know, to make sure she was like at home and like studying and stuff. There were times when my sister would not want my mom to go to like those PTA things. And so I would go, I was still like 18 or 19 at this point. And like my mom would just kind of leave us like these little fried, like, you know, those little fried chicken things where you can just toss in a like pot and fry it and then eat it. Like she would leave us those things to eat and she would just be out and again there was this expectation in like within the three of us to that that i was the one who would have to take responsibility for my mom and also my sister because like i remember one time my mom said to me um you know like i left your dad because of you and like why aren't you doing more around like around the house to kind of like help and I remember just being really confused because I was thinking to myself you know like I thought you left because dad was abusive and you'd had enough and I didn't know why she was blaming me and like when I was a little younger as well like my mom said to me I think I was 14 or 15 at the time and she said to me like you only think of yourself and you know like now when I look back I just think to myself, like, what do you expect a teenage girl or a teenager in general to think about other than themselves? You know, they're kind of like still at a stage where you're developing and all you know is like yourself, right? Like in general, like what am I supposed to do and think about? And also I think like by that point, I had felt like because there was this transference of attention and affection to my sister, If I didn't look out for my well-being, then no one else was going to. So there was this element of survival as well. But yeah, I think at that point it was just really hurtful and it kind of is why like I masked a lot as well to just kind of like, again, put aside my wants and my needs and like people please and mask and try to gain like affection and attention still in this like situation but even until now you know like it's just been that same dynamic and the only way i've been able to survive i think mentally at least emotionally is like to just remind myself that the only thing i can change in any situation is me and how i react to things and how i think about things because I can't, we can't change other people, right? And I acknowledge that. And so it's just this mantra that I repeat to myself. But at the same time, because I feel like there is still this grief, this deep grief with how I was just left to 
floundered throughout my life and all of these legitimate struggles and difficulties I had and challenges I had were just kind of left to me to figure out and if I couldn't figure it out then it was my own fault. It's it's just hard I guess because yeah like post-diagnosis you know like I don't really know what I was expecting, I guess, maybe some understanding, a bit more understanding from my family uh, with how, you know, the last, I want to say last few years, but really like, you know, how life has played out, but there hasn't been that. I just feel like it's just like too late and things are so set in the way they are. And that is why I just feel really estranged in a lot of ways from my sister. We don't talk. She still has a lot of blame and anger towards me for things from childhood until, you know, when we were older and it's just, I just feel like, yeah, it's, it's hard, you know, like, I just feel alone and sad that there is this wonder in me, like, I wonder if I had known earlier, if we had known earlier, like, would there have been some compassion? And I say this because I was recently watching this show, Atypical, that was recommended to me by someone on Instagram who reached out and we've been chatting and they recommended it to me. And I know that show has its share of criticism, but that aside, for this, the purpose of this conversation, you know, like, I feel like because there is that early identification of the person's neurology and what they might be good at and also what they might be not so good at, when that person is able to overcome that thing they're not so good at, then it can be celebrated and it's received with like positivity and acceptance and just like the way it was portrayed in the show was just something that was good, you know, and not like because you don't know then it's seen as a failing and there's something wrong with you and then like the blame falls to you and I really don't know if I will ever be able to get past this you know what could have been what could have been I'm trying my best to because I know logically there is no use but I think on days like today when I just felt like kind of alone in terms of my family and like how it's come to be this way. My mind like kind of goes to that a little bit and tries to make sense of stuff in my family. And yeah, I mean, I don't know if this resonated with anyone or made sense to anyone. Like I said, I just kind of really needed the space to put this out here. I am just going to, as usual, take it day by day and 
you know, who knows what tomorrow will bring. Um, I'm wondering if this is the case for any of you, if you've also kind of felt like by the time your diagnosis came, like there are, there are just aspects of your relationships that you have in your life that are already too set for it to be undone and it's too late for people to kind of like change their view of you or change their ways to support you so you're kind of left alone for the most part and I'm going to leave this here this very vulnerable episode here uh, I don't I don't need pity, I don't need any of that, you know, like, I feel like I've been in therapy so long to work through all this. And a big part of it, honestly, has felt resolved up until, I guess, like, finding out my misdiagnosis and that kind of opened a whole new can of worms. And I'm sure I'll talk about it in therapy next, but this is just something that was in my mind and I wanted to put out. If this resonated with you, if you'd like to reach out and talk to me about it, I leave my contact in the show notes. There's an email and there's my Instagram address. And if you don't, you know, but you're listening to this and you hear aspects which resonate with you as someone who grew up undiagnosed or late diagnosed, then I'm really sorry that this was also something you had to go through. And I really, really hope that you're also able to just kind of take it one day at a time and do the best that you can. Really, you know? And I really hope that you can also just kind of try to find it in you somehow that, you know, at least you know now and every day moving forward now, I can, at least for me, you know, just kind of recalibrate my life to make it work for me a little better each day. You know, the story's not over yet and um, yeah. Anyway, okay, I'm going to get back to my cats because I was in the middle of feeding them and then I came to my room and sat down to talk about this. But yeah, I will catch you folks again soon. Take care and stay safe. This has been Lauren for Little Miss Neurodivergence.